years old, she was obsessed with dinosaurs. My parents and I didn't know where her obsession really came from. It kind of just happened. Her room was covered in dinosaur decals that clung to the walls, never wrinkled due to her constant fixing of them. She would stand up on her tiptoes, barely tall enough to reach, and press her tiny hands across the material. It was adorable. The dinosaurs were her friends. She could name every single one if you pointed to it within a couple of seconds. In fact, my parents were so fascinated by her talent that they would always urge her to show it off in front of guests. Within the safe walls of our home, my sister's passion for these animals was fostered and nurtured. It was beautiful. This didn't last long, though. I remember the day it came crashing down. It was a sunny day at her daycare, and all the kids were playing outside on the huge playground. I mean, it was basically a kingdom. That's how big it was. My sister parked herself in the corner of the square sandbox and rightfully played with her dinosaur, as she always did. Although she was completely alone, she wanted it that way. She's always preferred solitude. No one would get between her and her dinosaurs. Except David. I think that was his name, the brat. He marched his chunky little self right up to her and snarled, Dinosaurs are for boys! You're a girl! Why are you playing with dinosaurs? She told me she glared at him, trying to use the power of her mind, and trust me, it's pretty powerful, to will him away. But he wouldn't go. He just kept pressing her and pressing her until she broke down in tears, rushing away from the sandbox without her dinosaurs. The innocent age of six years old, my younger sister's day was ruined by the pressing nature of male stereotypes. It crushed her, and she was all alone. I've seen this happen a lot in society, especially in popular literature. Despite recent advancements in equality, women in minority groups are often scrutinized and criticized and become the guinea pigs of the experimentation of patriarchal society. These innocent voices of women suffer due to gender roles and social equality constructs that have been in place for hundreds of years. This is even shown in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, a popular work of Gothic literature that was revolutionary for its time. Justine Moritz, an innocent servant, servant was executed due to allegations that she murdered William, the younger brother of Victor Frankenstein. Luckily enough, we get to see these experiences firsthand, seeing as I have some very special guests here to discuss their experiences regarding Justine. By the way, don't ask how I got them here. Today's episode, Sister Got Silenced. My name is Victor Frankenstein. Although I cannot recall my exact date of birth, I merely know what I am, a fool who runs with the demands of my heart and psyche. I began my studies at Ingolstadt a few months ago and found myself fascinated with the workings of human anatomy. On the desolate night when I brought the horrific monster to life, I immediately knew it would be the biggest mistake I would ever make. Looking upon the glistening blood that shone from William's corpse, I immediately knew that the fiend had done it. God that cursed fiend, the bane of my existence he is. He is the reason that so many innocent people suffered. Lovely to have you, Mr. Frankenstein. Now tell me, Mr. Frankenstein, when did you learn of the blood the monster had shed? A letter from my father it was. He wrote it with haste and worry. 
Golly, I could feel his anxiety through the paper. He told me that I must return immediately, regardless of the circumstances. As I made my way home, I stumbled across the corpse of my late brother and noticed this creature standing nearby. Interesting. I see. Sweet William. He never deserved to die. He never deserved to die. He was so young. How did you know exactly that the monster had murdered your poor brother? You see, I know that despicable fiend better than I know any warm soul living on this planet. I am his creator. I am the sole entity responsible for bestowing life on such a creature. How could I not? Miss you must understand. Although he is closer to the devil than I, we operate at the same energy. Hmm. Mr. Frankenstein, are you saying that you and your creation are one and the same? Of course not. Never could I conduct myself in such a way. In fact, during his creation, I poured every uncomfortable ounce of myself into him. Indeed, miss, I am a pure soul. Mr. Frankenstein, did you ever consider how, let's say, selfish your creation of the creature was? I mean, the fiend had murdered countless of your closest friends and caused so much horror within this world, but you, you still refuse to acknowledge him? Did you ever stop and think that your scientific experiments may exploit the sensitivity and vulnerability of others? Not necessarily, miss. I have a reputation to maintain. A simple-minded person like you can never understand the complexity of human creation. Is that- is this why you refuse to stand your ground and provide evidence during the trial that Justine was innocent? Perhaps you do not understand the workings of my town, miss. I simply could not just declare that Justine was innocent without any proper evidence. Golly, they would think me to be insane. How could I possibly cope with the entire world knowing of my guilt and sorrows? I would never be able to go on. Never. Hmm. I see, Mr. Frankenstein. Is it your own reputation that you wish to maintain, or is it- or is it that your monster is far more horrific than you originally imagined? Can you elaborate here? Bold of you to assume either, miss. Why would I listen to a woman like you with no scientific or educational background? Who are you to assume my intentions? Although you may not believe it, I am sincerely sorry for the death of George Dean Mortiz. It haunts me every single day, but the death of my brother, it, that is truly destroys my soul, since it was my fault of my own creation, my own monster. Well, thank you for your time, Mr. Frankenstein. You've been very helpful throughout this process. It is my pleasure. Miss, farewell. Interesting. For such an intelligent and seemingly compassionate man, Mr. Frankenstein was awfully defensive of his own case. He could not believe that a monster he created at his own will was responsible for so much damage. I found it interesting that he mentioned that he poured so much of himself into the monster. Perhaps these were his own oppressive demons. Maybe it is Mr. Frankenstein's fatal curiosity and experimentation that is what took Justine's life. Luckily, I have Miss Justine Mortz's ghost here to speak with us about her experience with Mr. Frankenstein. Justine Moritz. I am the peasant that works for the family of Victor Frankenstein, though upon discovery of the death of William, the younger brother of Victor, those who witnessed the body found me in the premise. If I would have known of what was to come, I would have left. I have been convicted of a crime that I am innocent. I did not murder the younger brother of Victor Frankenstein. Instead, I was completing my daily work for the family. It's great to have you here, Miss Justine. Enlighten me now. How did the photo of Mr. Frankenstein's mother get into your pocket at the scene of the crime? I don't really know. All I recall is that I was wandering through the area and all of a sudden my vision went black. 
When I woke up, I was suddenly being accused of a crime I had nothing to do with. Poor William, he didn't deserve this. What a sweet boy. Yes, it's so horrible that such a child had to die so young, Miss Justine. Did Mr. Frankenstein ever inform you that it was his monster through he created that he created through his own experiments that murdered William? Not at all. Before my death, I remembered that Mr. Frankenstein was panicking over my accusation. The man was certain that I was not guilty of such a crime, but he could not provide any evidence. I was just so strange. I actually talked with Mr. Frankenstein earlier on in the show. He was extremely remorseful about your death, but he also got very defensive. It was strange. He seemed very worried about maintaining his reputation. Oh no, don't say that. I've always adored Mr. Frankenstein. It's my job to be there for everyone in his family. Maybe it is my fault that William died. I should have been paying closer attention to him. It isn't your fault, Justine. I can assure you that. Mr. Frankenstein condemned his monster in every way, but still would not attest to your innocence a second time. Do you ever feel that Mr. Frankenstein's experiments occur at the expense of those who cannot protect themselves as easy, like yourself? I'm afraid so. Ever since I've known him, he's been so concerned about his own success. But rightfully so, I should say. He's an intelligent, attractive young man with a fascination for the natural world. Why shouldn't the planet be his scientific playground? Interesting point you make. Now, Justine, I recall you made an extremely moving testimony during the original trial. It brought me to tears. How did it feel to give such a testimony? I was terrified initially. The supposed evidence against me was so strong. How could anyone possibly believe me? Once I got up there, though, I felt strong. Being a servant, usually I'm the one serving others. But there, I was serving myself since I knew the truth. That must have been terrifying to do. You're so strong for telling your story despite the evidence against you. Even though no one would believe you, you still got up there. Now tell me, how did it feel having Mr. Frankenstein rebuke the claims of the court for the first time? It felt wonderful. Mr. Frankenstein, he's so intelligent. The people of his town respect him. They know his name and how much influence he has. I was foolish, though. I thought just because he stood up for me, I would be freed. Perhaps there is no hope for me all along. I see. Would it be appropriate to say that you felt silenced by Mr. Frankenstein and his monster? since he clearly had evidence that would save you, yet chose to save his own reputation as a man and scientist instead? Sort of. I would never blame him for what happened to me, though. Maybe I should have just been more careful. Maybe I should have just confessed it in the first place. I'm a good woman. I promise my life that I am. I would never hurt William, and I never intended to hurt anyone. That's very sweet of you, Miss Justine. How do you feel about Mr. Frankenstein's fascination with science? Has it ever seemed... strange to you? Not at all, ma'am. He conducted so many scientific experience be experiments because he truly loved it. He truly believed that he could create something revolutionary. Unfortunately, that never happened. I would have loved to see Mr. Frankenstein succeed. I believe that he would have, too. That's why he's so devastated and took it so personally when his creation didn't turn out the way he intended it to. I guess that could be the case. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Miss Justine Moritz. It was truly wonderful to have you on our show. Thank you so much. Truly, it was such an honor to speak with you. This was the strangest, but also the coolest thing I've ever done. Goodbye now. Hmm. Justine Moritz's perspective on the issue of her and William's death was strikingly different than that of Victor Frankenstein. I don't exactly know how to describe it, but she definitely seemed more hesitant to share her distaste with Mr. Frankenstein and his scientific experiments. Perhaps because Mr. Frankenstein was a powerful man with an educational background, she felt threatened and silenced both as a servant and as a woman.
to hear from another woman's perspective, we also have Elizabeth Lavenza, the lifelong friend and eventual wife of Mr. Frankenstein himself. Miss Elizabeth Lavenza. I have known Victor my entire life and type of a man that he is. As we matured and grew into adulthood, I eventually fell in love with his wit and determination. When Victor proposed the idea of marriage to me, I instantly knew that is what I desired. Although our marriage was short-lived due to my untimely death at the hands of his monster, it is exactly what I always longed for with the man that I love. Thank you so much for being here, Elizabeth. It's truly a pleasure to have you on the show. Now tell me, how did you feel when you learned that William, Victor Frankenstein's younger brother, had been murdered? Oh my goodness, it was horrifying. I lived with the Frankensteins for most of my life and I've seen Victor's uh, younger sibling come into this world. To watch one of them be brutally murdered in such cold blood, it shattered me. I was simply a mess. I wasn't right for months after William's death. I imagine that was a very traumatic experience for you to go through, Elizabeth. You're a very strong woman. Was William like a brother to you? Most definitely. Alfonso and Caroline were like parents to me, and their children all like siblings except for Victor. Losing William was like losing one of my very own. Now, I've heard what's happened on the day Justine was accused of murdering William. Could you tell the story from your own perspective? Perhaps it'll give our listeners a better idea of what actually happened on that fated, terrible day. Certainly. I was at home with Alphonse when it happened. I remember him running frantically through the doorway, his eyes wide and his breathing heavy. I stopped and asked him what had happened, since clearly something was wrong. William was dead. I remember that I just froze. My legs planted themselves in one spot and the tears came streaming down my face. It was such a horrific experience, I never wish upon anyone. Alphonse went to write to Victor immediately since he was at school. I realized later I was in shock over William's death, when it, but when it first happened, I just sat there. I felt nothing and everything at the same time. Losing someone with a war- without a warning is one thing, but an unexpected death is especially traumatic to one human soul. I'm so terribly sorry for your loss, Elizabeth. I wish there was a way to bring William back. Do you remember what happened when Justine was accused? I remember like it was yesterday. It was the middle of the night and Justine was nowhere to be found. I was worried sick about her, seeing as William had been taken away from us that night. As soon as she showed up at the house, she looked ghastly. She was pale and shaking, obviously very traumatized from whatever had happened to her. She looked at me in the eyes and immediately started crying, professing to me that she didn't do it. I was confused, seeing as I didn't know what she was accused yet. I worked on calming her down and she finally told me that they had that they believed that she had killed William. She told me that she didn't remember what happened. She just completely lost consciousness and woke up with a photo of Caroline in her pocket. I knew that the circumstances were strange and it was unlikely her to do so. I swore to myself I would stand by Justine's side no matter what. Elizabeth, you are such a good friend to Justine. She truly trusted you and is extremely thankful for everything you did for her during the trial. When you got up to give your testimony to the court, did you ever consider the possibility that they would rule that Justine was guilty? I had thought about the possibility for a second, but I never believed that it would actually come true. Everyone in this town knew that Justine was a woman of moral standards and had the best intentions, regardless of the circumstance. People characterized her as a foolish woman or a silly servant merely wishing for attention. They never knew the real Justine. They were lucky enough to. 
When you were giving your testimony, did you feel like the jury was on your side? I had no reason to believe that they weren't. I'm a woman of strong moral character. Why would they reject me? Fools they were. They were so concerned about Justine's status as a servant that they would refuse to listen to any evidence. Why would the distinguished people of the town care for a servant like Justine? They all disgust me. Every single person that you're one of my best friends is trained of life due to their ignorance. And you could never say that directly to them without them. Gosh, no. It's a shame that they were all so prejudiced against her. Were you aware of your husband's monster during this process at all? Not at all. I wasn't aware that his scientific endeavors would lead to such a dark and evil creature. When I was thinking about who could have possibly murdered William, never would I think that it was the indirect doing of my husband. Perhaps he's much darker than I originally imagined. Since William's murder was so grisly, it was obvious the work of the monster, and not the monster I originally imagined. I'm so, so sorry that you had to come to that realization, Elizabeth. It must have been absolutely horrifying. How did you feel when the jury announced their decision, even after hearing testimonies from both Victor and yourself? It was one of the most crushing moments of my life. Justine was my best friend, and knowing that she would die for something that she didn't do was absolutely horrible. After that happened, I knew that I would never be the same without her. I'm so sorry for your loss, Elizabeth. Losing a best friend could never be easy. Now, do you attribute some of the blame for Justine's death to Victor and his scientific creations? That's a difficult question to answer. Victor is an intelligent man and would never create something that was purposely harmful to another person. I've known him forever and we had the happiest childhood that anyone could possibly. What would cause him to be so vengeful? I'm not quite sure, Elizabeth. I've had this nagging feeling, though, that Victor exploits others through his science. Just a thought, though. Could be, but that doesn't sound like my Victor. Through his entire process, it's been proven to me how apparently women cannot think of their own in our society. It's completely ridiculous, but that's what most people seem to think. Well, thank you very much for your time, Miss Elizabeth Lavenza. It's been a pleasure to have you on today's show. Thank you very much for having me. Although it was difficult to talk about, it was important to discuss the circumstances of Justine's death. It made me feel better about the whole thing. Farewell. After sitting down firsthand with those characters, I think we have a pretty clear perspective on how Victor Frankenstein's monster and other scientific experiments have influenced the lives of the women around them. Him, per se. Although Frankenstein himself may not have realized, he was continually perpetuating such a toxic stereotype. Toxic masculinity, really, it impacts society way more than these men ever think. Can women be subservient to men? Sure, if they so please, if it's their personal choice to relinquish their freedom and rights. But do women have to be subservient to men in the personal endeavors of men? Absolutely not. Of course not. Just like my younger sister did not have to be subservient to that other child, David. They were young kids, sure, but it still shows how deep-rooted gender roles have become within our society. Maybe for all of that time, Frankenstein didn't really realize that he was the true monster. He was the one who orchestrated the chaos that hurt and silenced so many of the women around him. Or should I say, sisters around him. He loved these women, sure, but he still continued to perpetuate toxic masculinity, because that's what society said he should do. 
Although in 2019, we have made immense progress in gender equality and equality in general, toxic masculinity and ignorance still continue to pollute our society. The least we can do for women today is to hear their voices. For example, you can elect a woman to a government office, listen to a speech given by a woman, or simply listen to your mom while she's lecturing you. I know you might hate it, but the woman has some points. You'll see it when you get older. Empowering women in turn empowers society. It's been shown by the women who refuse to conform to the stereotypes of society. Now, a final word. If you're listening to this and feel silenced by the men or the dominant people in the society around you, just remember, sis, you'll only be silenced if you let them silence you. Never stop shining, sister. Thank you.